All right, everyone. Ryan Eho here and the one and only Bert Lehman. Bert, how are you doing this week? Uh, doing all right. Uh, I had to shovel my driveway before we recorded this show. We got like uh, around three inches of snow. <laughs> so yeah, it is it is that time of the year. So so obviously we're doing the show a day or so late here. Uh, Mama had some uh, health issues. Everything went good. She's out of the hospital. Everything's good. Yep. Uh, last Friday, my mom fell and uh, she broke her hip. Uh, she had surgery Saturday morning, and uh, but everything's going good. She's in a rehab center right now, uh, so she can uh, so they can get her back walking uh, you know, soon. So hopefully, hopefully in a week or so, she'll be back moving around. That's what we like to hear. So episode 154, Bird, brought to you by your friends over in Watertown, South Dakota, Dirt Track Supply. Um, this is the time of year. Christmas is coming. It's right around the corner. Ladies, guys, get your significant others race car stuff, right? And uh, get a hold of Trevor over there, him and Ron. You know, they've been servicing race car drivers for a number of years. Whether you need safety equipment, parts, tires, a new aero chassis, um, getting yours updated, body work, you name it. You know, the folks over at Dirt Track Supply, they do a great job. You'll definitely want to get a hold of them to take good care of you. So, two weeks to the Dome, Bert. You know, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Dome next week leading into the Dome. Of course, uh, Trevor's gearing up. I'm excited, right? As a race fan, we have a lot more drivers from the Wissota region, I guess I'll call it heading down to the dome is there any eastern wisconsin guys heading down there this year that you saw i don't think there's any eastern guys there um i think jamie zidar uh who's raced some dirt kings races i think he's supposed to be going there uh but other than other than that i don't think there's any eastern guys uh um i did see on facebook today uh uh Ricky Thornton Jr. posted a picture of his uh, modified that he's going to be racing down there. Yeah, I think he's doing double duty, so that'll be cool. We'll we'll get more into that next week, but I know Trevor's gearing up. He's fired up to get down there. The bull rings kind of fit his style a little bit, so we'll get more to that. But let's jump into a, a blast to the past, Bert, brought to you by Impact Health Sharing. We're right in the middle of open enrollment, so business owners out there are self-employed if you're paying for your own health care i've been able to help a lot of people um bringing family costs down to about six hundred dollars a month roughly twenty five hundred dollar deductible you can go to any network of doctors there's no particular network um it's been really cool been able to help a lot of people literally keep over a thousand dollars a month in their pocket um each and every month just on on a family plan so it's been good hit me up i can get you a quote and Thanks to all the new members here that uh, watching the show saw a little bit of an ad on here. I got several birth that reached out and they said, Hey, I'll get a quote. And uh, pretty much every one of them that did join. So that's been a pretty good deal for a lot of people. Number 54 Bert. number well, it's 154. I guess I'll start there. Do you have any 154s? I do not have any 154s. Did you find the 54? Did I find the 54? Yeah, I mean, car 54, where oh, are well, you? Well, no, that, that actually just popped into my mind, the car 54. I never watched that, but I had heard about it. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, te Jeff texted me. He goes, car did you find car 54? I'm like, I got several. He goes, but did you, did you find it? Where are you? I'm like, 
lame, but yeah, that, that's a that's a good old classic right there. Do you have a number any cars? Uh, any car number fifty fours? Um, I didn't. Uh, but one uh, I just thought of one actually, and I'm 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 pretty sure he drove number fifty four. And if he didn't, I apologize. Um, but uh, AJ Miller, who would have been a third generation driver, because uh, I believe his his father was TM Miller. Um, but um, uh, you know, unfortunately, this was at least ten years ago, if not longer. Uh, he was killed in a car accident, a street car accident. Uh, but he raced uh, limited late models at Shino Speedway um, for a while um, um, around that time. Okay, so I have several fifty fours. Go figure, right? I do have a late model guy. I'm surprised you didn't have this one down, to be honest. He ran Cedar Lake a lot. He ran in the, when I think 54, this name. Uh, hey, wait. A white car with blue number? That's the one. Last name starts with a B, right? It does. It yeah. does. <laughs> All right. So you remember, when I think 54, no offense to anybody else, right? But this is the name that comes to mind. A guy that I remember watching, you know, in the 80s. I mean, this guy was an unbelievable race car driver, Bert. He was really good in the in the wing modifieds. He was good in the modifieds, and he was extremely fast in the late model division as well. White Bear Lake, Minnesota, is what he used to call home. I don't know if he still does, but Jim Brugeman in the 54. Puka would remember him. This guy was an absolute stud. And uh, there was another Brugeman that raced, I think, this year, maybe in the USRA late models down in Cedar. I, I believe that might be his kid or maybe nephew, but the Brueggemann's raced uh, for a number of years down at Cedar Lake, and it's good to see a family member back out there, but Jim Brueggemann was extremely hard to beat, and he raced all over. He made several trips, Bert, up to the Hibbing Raceway, and he, he won some races up there as well. So another one, I think back to 54, and there was a two-car team in the Modifieds, and Jim Brueggemann drove one of those. They had art, they had automatic transmissions, which uh, street stock guys, uh, you kind of got hosed out of getting rid of them death traps um, transmissions in the street stocks. We'll talk more about that. And an example of that, Dennis Jones. So you remember Dennis Jones, of course, the Ron Jones was a legend. Dennis Jones won a bunch of races. So he ran a partner car. I think there was two of them. And they were, I think it was RTC transmissions, I believe is what it was, white 54s. And do you remember the story about Dennis Jones getting upside down up at the Riverview Raceway in Thunder Bay, getting burnt really bad, put in a hospital? No, I don't. So jump on, there's a, there's a page on Facebook called 100 Years of Riverview Raceway History or something like that. There's, and type in Dennis Jones crash. Um, I think it was a Discovery Channel did a really cool documentary on this, right? So Dennis Jones, I don't remember what year it was. You can look that up. But he was leading in the Modified Division up at their Invitational in Thunder Bay and had a, had a sizable lead. He was gone. Transmission locks up, Bert, coming out of turn four, day race, dusty. And somebody got in the back of him hard, flipped him over, punctured the fuel cell. He's laying upside down, and it's a methanol fire literally you could you couldn't see the flames because methanol burns clear right you couldn't see the flames during the day and don kettering a gentleman that lost his life here a couple of years ago he's passed but became a hero on that day jumped out of his car dennis was about i think he was knocked out window net was latched up 
he literally pulled Dennis out of the car, saved his life. Dennis got burnt bad. He was up in the hospital for a number of years, but that was a number 54. And I promise Dennis is like, man, I'm, I'm, I don't like that number. He probably hates that number because he was number 73, but uh, Don Kettering became a hero by saving Dennis Jones life up at, up uh, in Thunder Bay, Ontario. So in Hibbing, there was a gentleman actually won the late model feature or the late model track championship over in Grand Rapids this year, Rick Nimi. That Nimi name, Bert, legendary name, big racing family in northern Minnesota. And Bruce Nimi, he ran the number 54. He ran in the late model division. Actually, he won uh, in, in the modified division. He won the Labor Day shootout. He was 29 in that car. But he ran number 54 for a number of years. And I remember him, you know, always running very strong. And there's a lot of Nimi family that attends the races still to this day at the Hibbing Raceway. He, uh, for, a, for a little while, owned uh, Midwest Racing, was the parts vendor at the track. But Bruce Nimi, a guy that I remember growing up up in, the, up in Hibbing, Minnesota. Don Cop, you remember that name, don't you, Bert? Yes. Don Cop. Yes. I always remember him as number 22. I know he ran a 3D, right? He ran the Dean Johnson yeah. car, but there was a stint, and I don't know the story. Um, maybe somebody can kind of share a little bit, but he ran a number 54 modified, and I don't remember who he ran that car for, but Don Cop is always fast, right? So it didn't matter if he was 22, 3D, 54. That dude won a lot of races. Another, right? Another legacy name in racing, no different than Nimi. The cop family, they still go out there and there's a couple of them out there winning a pile of races and uh, they got a big future ahead of them. Not a couple I got here from my buddy, Lauren, fan of the show, good friend of mine, known him a long time. He sent one over Jimmy Rich. Now, you remember Mike Rich that raced? He ran late model sprint cars. He ran modified super stocks. The guy wanted everything. His brother, Jimmy Rich, was a local guy from up in Duluth. I remember him as number 55. I had no idea that he was number 54, but uh, he actually built cars for my uh, my right-hand man, my buddy Changa, Jim McClellan. He built his race cars growing up, but there was a stint where Jimmy Rich was number 54. I never knew it. And in the Midwest Modified Division, a guy that made trips up, Dick Peterson, a Midwest Mod, I don't think he gets around the track anymore, but I remember him making several trips up to the Proctor Speedway now the Halverline Speedway up in uh, Proctor, Minnesota. Now, the last one I have, did you see a little NASCAR news here? For, for Brad, we got to throw a little NASCAR stuff in. He said he hates NASCAR. We'll throw it in. Did you see that Gibbs Motorsports is retiring the 18? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, it sounds like they're retiring the 18 and bringing back Ty Gibbs going to the Cup Series at number 54. So back, I think it was like 1978 was like the last time anybody won in a 54. And uh, Lenny Pond, do you remember that name? Yes. Yep. I don't remember anything about it. Maybe you can share if you do, but he was the last guy to win in the number 54 in the Cup Series. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know anything about Lenny Pond, but um, I do remember hearing that name, especially... Because, you know, back in the late 70s and throughout the 80s, um, you know, there'd be a plethora of drivers trying to qualify for the Daytona 500, not like it is today where, you know, you don't even get 43 cars now. But, you know, back in the day, you had to qualify and 
I can remember, you know, well-known drivers who didn't qualify, they would be buying the starting spot from drivers that did qualify and stuff like that. You know, that's when racing was really interesting. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's a couple days ago. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so that's enough on the blast of the past. I always enjoy that segment, kind of a look back, but let's look ahead. Let's look current. Let's look ahead. And the biggest news of the week, at least in our region, right? In our region, and brought to you by Brad Parson, Eggzyme Egg Solutions. I mean, I'll tell you what, racers, they know a little bit about chemicals, right? Softening tires, mixing stuff with fuel. There's a big benefit to having the right chemicals, right? So farmers, get the right chemicals for your crops, right? That's what you do. You get a hold of Brad Parson, and he has a lot of different stuff that he can mix with the current spray packages to make you more profitable give you better yields. And I tell you what, it's, it's a winning formula. Get a hold of him for sure. But the biggest news of the week, Bert, in your opinion, what was it? Well, I mean, obviously it was uh, the Iceman is going out the pasture. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Myers announced that he is uh, retiring as a driver. And um, so um, I wasn't surprised to hear the news um, just from the fact that I interviewed him probably about five years ago. And during that interview, he told me that, you know, once he turned 50, he was done racing. He wasn't going to be one of those drivers who raced in his fifties. And, uh, you know, as he approached his 50th, you know, birthday, you know, I was wondering if he was going to hold true to that. And uh, he did. <laughs> Yeah, I tell you, what a career, right? I mean, a lot of people. So I was looking at some of his stats, and I got a trivia question for you in a second here. So eight World of Outlaw wins, three Lucas Oil wins, 12 Extreme Have a Tampa UMP wins, seven Hell Tour wins. I mean, he's won basically every special in Wasota country, I mean, multiple times, right? I mean, on a local level, just unbelievable. Um, but here's the deal. I'm going to give you a, a list of, of races here, right? And I want you to tell me the three that he did not win. Okay. okay. So we're going to go with, uh, let's, let's start here. We got the topless 100 at Batesville. He won. Illini 100 at Farmer City. Here, let me give you the list, right? Okay. You might, you might want to jot them down. So topless 100 at Batesville. Illini 100 at Farmer City, the USA Nationals, the Show Me 100, the North South 100 at Florence, the Gopher 50, which is, that's been at a couple places, the Puka's favorite race, the National 100 down at East Alabama. The Dream, the Knoxville Late Model Nationals, the Prairie Dirt Classic at Fairbury, the Dirt Track World Championship, the Jambalaya 100, and the Firecracker 100 at Lernerville. What three did Jimmy Mars not win? 
Knoxville. July 9, 100. And the Prairie Dirt Classic. He won the Prairie Dirt Classic. Okay. He won the Illini 100. Okay. He did not win at Knoxville. Give me then I, uh, the go for 50, he did not win. That's correct. Um, and the show me. Ah, Bert Goddard. Bert Goddard. <laughs> so, and he didn't win the World 100. I never knew he won the Dirt Track World Championship. I didn't realize that either. I mean, so think about this for just a minute. Now, of course, I mean, he's won everything. He's won a lot of stuff. He, they, they have MB Customs. they got a ton of drivers. If he hasn't won it, one of his customers probably has, right? Dustin Sorensen, USRA National Champ. This year's US MTS Mods National Champ. He's going to be piloting the 28 for him. So I'm sure that's going to win more races because Dustin Sorensen's a stud. But when he was winning the, the bulk of his races during his career, there really wasn't a lot of live streaming. There wasn't, I mean, it, every, the information is there at the fingertips, right? With my race pass, dirt on dirt. I mean, it's bam, bam, bam. I got to be honest with you. I didn't realize some of these races he actually won myself. And I'm, I consider myself a race fan, right? If you think about it, do you think he'd be maybe even, not that he's not respected, he is, but do you think he'd even be more respected on the national scene had he won those races today with live streaming as compared to winning it without? Um, yeah, you, you could make a case for that. Um, I mean, when him and Berkey teamed up uh, and started and well, that's when the MB started. Um, he went out and won like three straight weeks in a row. He won the top lifts and and some other races right in a row. I mean, they, they just rattled off some huge wins in that car. And, you know, that's when, you know, now it's like, oh, what do you have to do to compete with the Longhorns? Back that year, it was what do you have to do to compete with the MB car? And uh, so, you know, he really put, they really put some uh, good streaks together with that. But yeah, I didn't, so I knew he, he won quite a few of those big races, but I didn't realize some of the other ones that he won and I mean what is interesting was 1996 was kind of his coming out party I mean he kind of proved I mean he was always a force locally but that year um I don't know if it was that year or the following year he won the USA Nationals and then he won the, the dream that year and um the dream race that he won you know you think looking back you think you know how things would have been different if uh scott bloomquist and bill fry hadn't had their uh disagreement in that race <laughs> uh because that kind of took out both of those cars and they were running one two and then jimmy was a beneficiary um once that happened yeah i tell you what you got to have some luck to go along with the skill in this sport and, and on that day um, he, he had a lot of luck go his way, but he still had to get it done. So what a career. I mean, congratulations, Jimmy Mars. Um, on, I mean, really, honestly, 
one of the best careers in, in for sure all of late model racing, but without question in our region. And uh, he'll still be around the racetrack quite a bit. It'll be interesting to see if he hops in from time to time or if he just calls it quits completely. I guess time will tell. He does have his kid Sam Mars out there who started to win some races. He's going to be the owner, of course, of the 28th car that Dustin Sorensen's got. And he's got a ton of customers to help. So um, if he hangs it up right here, he has nothing left to prove. Let's just put it that way. He's he's done plenty. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I'm curious to see what kind of uh, schedule Dustin Sorensen is going to have next year racing that car for him. You know, uh, it, you know, it, the last few years, you know, Jimmy didn't travel as much as he he did, you know, earlier in his career. So, you know, I'm curious to see if Dustin's going to be doing a little bit more traveling now or if it's going to be kind of the same schedule that Jimmy had. Yeah, I think, I'm, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. You know, my guess is he'll run a little bit more. I think they're starting down south. I think they're going to start down at the Wild West, but I guess it'll probably see how things go and how much they start putting into it. But, I mean, he's already done it. That hunger is not quite there, like when he was racing all in. That new cat he's got, he's 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 been used to winning some races. My guess is he's hungry, so... I'm, I'm hoping uh, we can see that 28th on the national scene. I guess time will tell. So well, then oh, go ahead. my other question is with Sorensen, you know, does, does this mean that he won't be trying to defend his uh, USMTS uh, championship? That's what it sounds like. It sounds like his primary focus will be the late model. I don't know if he's going to run the mod at all. I guess I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I'm guessing there's got to be some pretty big late model races that overlap with the USMTS schedules. So I guess, uh, you know, somebody else's turn to win in the USMTS modified division. We'll see who that might be, but pretty cool to see him up into the national late model scene. So biggest event of the week, right? Not, not the biggest, that was the biggest moment. I mean, in our area for sure by buyracesearch.com, Jordan Tollickson, the biggest event of the week, in my opinion, was the Wasoda Banquet wow. and annual meetings. I was just going to, I mean, we, we said the Jimmy Mars thing was the biggest news of the week, but maybe the biggest news of the week was uh, uh, I didn't get a phone call with, with, from you asking for bail money. Almost. Almost. <laughs> almost. Stay tuned. There's a lot of people wondering what happened at the meetings, right? I'm not going to go over every little rule change but let's just put it this way there's some stuff that happened we'll get to that in just a moment but by racers.com jordan tollickson for racers by racers you know if, if you're a driver right if you're a series director a track promoter if you need racing apparel get a hold of jordan does a great job offers a great product and he has different price ranges you can get in at different packages there so get a hold of him by racers.com now Start with the Wasota Banquet, Bert. First thing I want to do is I want to just, you know, that's that's where you honor the 2022 Wasota National Champions, you know, and, and hats off. Congratulations to that group. And there was Rookies of the Year. They had series there. Um, late Models, the Structural Buildings, Wasota Late Model Challenge Series Champion, Cole Searing. Congratulations. But in the Late Models, Wasota Late Model National Champion, the 12, the Hot Shoe, Chad Becker, Another great season for him out west. Um, a pile of wins. I mean, he almost doubled up the second place car as far as a win count goes. 
in the modified division, back-to-back years for the one TPO, Tyler Peterson. Uh, I mean, Bert, I mean, I think he had 29 Wasota wins, 30 wins on the season. Unbelievable year for the TPO. Super Stocks, the Ironman, Shane Sebraski, got her done again. Dexton Cook was kind of there at the end, but uh, Sebraski, I tell you what, the smart money's on, on that 7A. Unbelievable over 800 feature wins. We won't get into all the stats. We're going to do another show on that. In the Midwest Modified Divisions, I think, I, I could be wrong. I think he's the youngest driver of all the national champions. Jake Smith in the 21. Um, congratulations to him getting it done. The Street Stock Division went to Kyle Dykoff, a guy that I said a couple years ago, this is the fastest Street Stock around. If he can just clean it up a little bit, right? Make less mistakes. He's going to be really tough to beat. Bert, he did that this year. My favorite class to watch was the Street Stocks. Kyle Dykoff had a hell of a season. In the Mod 4 division, Dustin Holdquist got it done. A great season, kind of a father-son team there. And uh, he parked that car in victory lane a bunch, got the national championship done. Corey Jorgensen in the Wissota Pure Stock division and Justin Shalitsky in the Wissota Hornets. So again, a tip of the cap, congratulations to all the champions. And uh, they got to be honored at the banquet. And, and the banquet started out, Bert, with, uh, with the legendary Donnie Schatz. Got to be the keynote speaker at the banquet. And I tell you, he ended on a high note his season, right? Back-to-back wins this past weekend. And he's a former Wasoda Championship Sprint Car National Champion. I don't think that really compares to all the World of Outlaw Championships that he has. But he did say a championship is a championship he's proud he's he's honored to be a champion in any division and it was super cool seeing him up there Bert he really got to he shared not just about his racing career but how it tied into it with family and and he understands the the sacrifices that drivers take you know and, and and they make financially to go out and do the thing that they love so it was really cool to you know have Donnie shots there and tip of the cap to Rod Lindquist the Wissota executive director for getting him there. Now, another thing Rod Lindquist did now probably give a donkey award to the marketing team for Wissota because nobody knew about it, right? They don't advertise anything or promote anything. And I've talked about doing this in the past. I'm like, I thought it'd be good for track championships. They had an incentive program for the structural buildings with Soda late model challenge series. Any driver that competed, I think you had to hit all the shows or maybe you could miss one they did a drawing and they gave away a four day, three night, all inclusive airfare included trip for two to Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas. And the challenge series drivers knew about it, right? But that was cool. And, and the person that won that was Ryan Mickelson. He got that. And there was a time where he talked about during the season where he's like, you know what? We just ain't going to make it in Mackenzie. His wife's like, bullshit we're going like i want to win that trip you're going to that race we're finishing this deal so that incentive deal worked i thought it was a cool deal he went out and got a sponsor to make that happen but they got to promote it nobody knew about it i thought that was kind of a cool deal why wouldn't they talk about that a little bit more they probably will next year um just great scene great atmosphere bert i thought the banquet overall was good good turnout of people um a couple things disappointed me. I think I'm going to touch on that in the not hot section, but overall, I think the, uh, I think 
looking forward, um, I think they're getting some good people in place in Wasota, some business minded people that kind of have a vision for improving the product. And they talked a lot about that this weekend. And they're like, look, when we took this over, we, we knew we got a mess, right? We got a mess, but they have a plan and I'm excited to see them. You know, you can't do everything in one day. You simply cannot, but they do at least finally have a plan and some goals, which I don't think that Wasota's ever had before on how to make this organization better. So I'm excited about that. Now, Bert, prior to, right, prior to the Wasota banquet is two days of the annual meetings for Wasota. That's the rules-making process. What a freaking circus. Unbelievable, Bert. So I will say this. I'm not going to touch on that because I'm going to touch on that in a little bit. I will say this. I feel like the, there's going to be some donkey awards here. Okay. Now I'm going to be, I'll be the first to say, surprisingly enough, none of those donkey awards are going to the Wasota Promoters Association. None of them are going to the tech committee. I'm not even giving a donkey award to Bill Engelstad. That hurts me. I wanted to give Billy one. I can't. I can't do it. They did a good job. They, they handled the meeting well. Okay. So, Bert, here's how, the, here's how the rules process works. You know, so a lot of people aren't really familiar. You hear people say all the time, well, Wasota's got to get their shit together on the rules. Wasota, right? You hear all that all the time. Well, here's how the rules process works. <laughs> so, drivers have an opportunity to talk to their promoter and say, I think this should be changed. I think that should be changed, so on and so forth. That promoter can write it down, reasons why, write how the rules should be written. They can submit that to a soda, right? It goes on the agenda. And then if there's a motion made and seconded, they vote on it and that's how it works. There's also a tech committee and they brought forth some rule changes. All of their rule changes are most of them anyway, come from promoters or drivers and the committee discusses all of those different proposed rules, right? They bring them up as a proposed rule change. And then the promoters, they have to make a motion. Like, do you think, if you think it's good, make a motion, second motion, discuss it and the promoters can vote on it. The promoters say all the time, Bert, and I've heard several say, because with soda for years has been like, we feel that the Wasota board and the, the tech committee should be making the rules. Wasota has wanted to take the rules-making process out of the hands of the promoters. I can't tell you how much I was against that for years. I'm like, that is BS. We get the wrong people in there. We're gonna have, who knows what we're going to have for rules? Bert, I couldn't be more for that today. I couldn't be. Here's why. There's almost 50 Wasota tracks and only 24 of those tracks sent representatives of their speedway to take part in this process. These guys are my friends, but I'm here to tell you, Viking Speedway, you're getting the first donkey award here. Okay. They're my friends. Probably going to be mad at me about this. Don't care. It's 60 miles away. They did part of the process right. They submitted all kinds of proposed rule changes. Then they weren't even there to make a motion or vote on them or discuss them. And I get it. People are busy, but they could have found somebody to represent the Viking Speedway. And if they don't want to, that's an example of why 
the tech committee and the board should be making the rules because I'm not saying the tracks all need to be involved. I'm not saying that they got enough on their plate, Bert, but if they want to be involved, be involved. If you don't want to be involved, give the power to the tech committee in Wasota because half of the promoters weren't there. Tip of the cap to the promoters that did show up. Several of them just kind of sit there. They're not really active, but at least they're there. So here's the next part. Street stocks. Okay. My favorite class. This, this one killed me, Bert. I got to give a donkey award to Benzie from the Stephens Street Stock Tour, promoter at the Cheyenne Speedway in Lisbon. Overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, the Wissota Street Stock drivers, at least the ones that actually race a lot, they've been saying, I, we want to get rid of these automatic transmissions. They break. They're, they're costly. They're dangerous when they explode. All kinds of stupid stuff could happen. And they wanted to go to a Burt transmission. He even did a poll, Bert, on his page, and overwhelmingly, the number one topic that the driver said they wanted was Burt Transmissions. They, they, all, they only wanted it because it's named after you, okay? That's why they wanted it. <laughs> even spelled correctly. <laughs> it's not had to be asked to be a good product, right? So they wanted they want to have open transmissions. We went through all this with the Super Stocks years ago. We went through this whole deal and it was the same thing. It took three years or something to get that in because people people look at it. Benji's like, oh, there's an upfront cost. Well, yeah, there is. Of course there is, right? I ran the same Burt transmission from 2004 to when I basically quit racing. I sold that transmission. It's still being used today. You could not do that with an automatic, right? So there's some stuff you got to buy, but for the betterment of the sport long-term, it is by far very important but he actually in the meeting Bert he says well I found five percent of the people make 95 percent of the noise and I don't feel like most people in the series most of the street stock guys really don't want this wait what like like can you not read like right seriously like they did want this so Ben you are the reason there's no Bert transmission in the street stocks that is a donkey award okay they did pass a couple interesting rules, and I maybe a safety deal, but they're putting optional beadlocks on all four corners in the street stock division. Not in any other division, street stocks. Now, I get it. They're heavy. They turn over. I get it, right? But unnecessary, right? Schrader valves, which is, if you know about racing, Schrader valves, you can adjust the gas pressure. They took them out of street stocks and Midwest mods or never allowed it in the street stocks, I don't think, to keep the cost down and take the technology out. They added that. I think that's a step in the wrong direction for those classes because all that does is increase the cost. Both of those have good racing, absolutely unnecessary. So drivers, my opinion, right? If you're a BMOD driver or a street stock driver, you do not need trader valves. It's unnecessary, you don't need it. If you have a good shock program, leave it alone, don't spend the money. They did finalize i think this was already in place but they did put carbon fiber drive shafts in modifieds and midwest mods they've been asking for that i know there's people looking at that for um, the other classes as well if you feel strongly on that get a hold of your promoter make sure they get that on the agenda for next year and that's something that can be voted on if you feel strongly about that the sticker rule bert the almighty sticker rule this came up i brought it up right and 
the guy I was sitting next to wouldn't even make a motion on it. He's like, well, I think drivers should kind of like look at their wheels and make sure the stickers hold themselves accountable. He's right. I agree with that. I mean, I raced more shows than most and they had the rule in place then. And I made dang sure my sticker was not falling off. So drivers take, and I got this from Lanny Nichols. He said, take your stickers, get some clear fingernail polish and fingernail polish over the top of those stickers to make sure they stay on your wheels. That's a good idea from Lanny, but they, uh, they're on a positive note. There's no more disqualifications for the sticker falling off. Thank God. Right. That, that, that was embarrassing. They still are going to dock you two spots, which is better. It's not great, but it's better. So at least something happened there. Bert, I think my favorite thing that happened, the Wasota late model division, instead of taking the top 30 shows for national points, they're now going to take the top 20 shows for national points. That's huge. That is so huge because not a lot of people were traveling, racing for it. I got a question. This is a trivia question for my buddy, Bert. Since 2017, so 17, 18, 19, 2020, there was no national points, 21 and 22. So a five-year window. Per year, how many Wisconsin late models would you say finish in the top 10 in the Wissota late model national standings. Second part to this question, how many of those spots, so that'd be 10 per year, 50 spots, right? How many total late model drivers finished in the top 10 in a five-year window from Wisconsin? I'm gonna say zero. You're close. It's one. <laughs> 2018 is the only year because I couldn't go back to my race pass. It didn't have anything from 16 back. So I was trying to figure out that. But from 17 on, the only driver to finish top 10 in the Wasota late model division from Wisconsin was Pat Knorr, and he got 10th in 2018. Okay. Now, we know dang well that there's some cats over there that literally are top 10 worthy, right? But there's no tracks. So here's another there's only one, There's only one track, right? That would be Red Cedar. Superior. So, and superior. So okay. I got to give you a question for you here, Bert. Sat Saturdays. Um, and we'll, we'll use a three-state area. Minnesota, Wisconsin, and North Dakota. How many Saturday... Wissota late model tracks are there in that three states combined? Quick guess. Three. One. One. In a three-state area, the only Saturday night track, the Hibbing Raceway. Let's go Sundays. How many, how many Sunday tracks in a three-state area? Two. Can you name them? No. Well, Proctor. That's it. Brandon <laughs> asked a couple years hey, ago. Hey, I got your track. You should be impressed yeah. with that. <laughs> you you want to find us, Calverline Speedway, right? Wow. But you're, you're right. It's Proctor Speedway at heart, for sure. But that's, that was, they looked at it and they like, there's a couple areas here where, I mean, it's just, there's nobody that can race for it, you know, unless you're in certain pockets. 
So I'm excited about that because maybe that'll entice a few more drivers to race just a handful more shows to be in contention for the top 10 because you only need 20 and not 30. I think that's a good change. New board member got voted in. Uh, Tim Carlson got voted out. Thank you for your service, Tim. Six years on the Wasota board. Um, he's pretty pa he's passionate about racing. He was pretty bummed out that he's not still on the board, but, um, you know, out with him. And new, new board member, Mike Jordette from St. Cloud, Minnesota. He owns, and I'm sure you've heard of this company, Minnesota Truck Headquarters. He owns that company. Um, he's a business guy over in St. Cloud. Had a chance to talk to him. He's passionate, Bert. You think I get up on the edge a little bit. You think I'm a little feisty? This, this guy here has some energy. And uh, that's what it needs, though. You, I think you a business-minded person with some energy. He's got some vision. He's, he has a plan. Um, he's got a great social media presence, right? And, and that's one thing that I'm excited about. You know, nothing against the – well, no, against. They just didn't really have a social media presence in Wasoda. And he talked extensively about that in our conversation. And he said one of the things we need to do is build the hype game, build the brand, and create a culture. So I'm excited about that, and I want to see what he can do three-year term there. Congratulations to him. And, Bert, we're going to save the best for last. Folks, grab some popcorn, buckle up, because you're about to get the Donkey Award of the decade. The decade, right? This is the biggest Donkey Award ever, and we've seen – Bert, we've seen some stupid shit go on, right? Like, this is the biggest donkey award ever, in my humble opinion, okay? So, let me give you a little backstory. The, is it fair to say, Bert, that the cost of everything has skyrocketed in the last few years? Fair, fair statement. Yep, everything has gone up. Race parts, fuel... I mean, groceries, you name it. I mean, I mean, inflation is absolutely not a good deal, right? Well, on a positive note, let's spend this positive. Wasoda had the foresight to lock into a contract on the pricing on tires, right? And there's, there's two more years on that. So there's two more years where drivers can be like, huh, man. This year, we don't have to pay more on, right? And then all of a sudden, you got a couple promoters, just like on, remember Days of Thunder, where they said, hey, look here, this panel, we don't have to fix. Story's <laughs> like, oh, we don't want you spoiled, Buck, right? Well, that just happened, right? Hey, look, cool. I mean, tires are overpriced already, but at least they're not going up, right? UMP mod tires, same tire, $40 more. The late model, the, the LM, I think it's the LM30, is the same as the the WRS 30, right? The same as the Wasoda 30, same tire, $70 more for World of All Us. So thank God we're locked into a contract so we don't have to freaking pay more for tires. That's a good thing, right? Nope. Literally, Shannon Rush from Hoosier came up on stage, shared kind of the state of the union. He's like, hey, you guys are locked into a contract. He never asked for him to raise, you know, more money. He didn't say, oh, man, Hoosier's in bad shape. We're about ready to close the doors. We can't pay our bills. There was nothing. It was like, you know, it's, well, it is what it is. One of the promoters, Bert, even asked the question. 
Because I, I'm sure you heard, did you know there was a tire shortage last year? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, heard, I heard something about it. Well, there wasn't. Okay. One of the promoters asked him straight out. He goes, let me ask you something. All these other tires went up in price, right? Well, was who was was Soda's tire shortage due to the fact that we were locked in at a lower price and it wasn't as profitable for Hoosier? And he goes, let me nip that in the butt right there. That absolutely is not true. That is not true. We did not hold back production on tires because you were locked in, right, on, on a lower price. Well, that's a true statement, right? Because I did some research. And according to my sources, and these are straight from Hoosier, okay? These are straight from Hoosier. I talked to Hoosier myself. They sold the same, they sold more tires in to Wissota Racers in 2022 than they did in 2021. More, okay? Not less, more. And I said, okay, let's go back pre-COVID, 2019. Pretty much the same. Pretty much the same. So no tire shortage. That was a fabricated bunch of BS to get people all hyped up and go and buy tires no different than freaking toilet paper, right? Oh man, you better get there and get your toilet paper. They're, you're going to run out and everybody's buying like pallet. Same thing with tires. There's a shortage on tires. Like you can't get them. There, I mean, we're going to run out and everybody's like, well, if we can't get them, I better get all I can right now, right? That's bullshit pulling that deal. That ain't, that ain't cool. Okay, that ain't cool at all. That that was that's that's called scamming, right? That's that's unethical. There was no tire shortage. That flat out wasn't true. Furthermore, there was there was vendors that sold tires years before, chassis builders, everything that were told because of this shortage, which was fabricated by Hoosier Corporate, not Hoosier Tire North, right? Because of that, because of this whole deal, we're gonna cut out vendors. And certain vendors are no longer able to be vendors. However, there was certain drivers, and they even made a press release, Bert, that drivers and all that, you couldn't buy direct from Hoosier Tire North. You had to buy from a track vendor. You've probably seen that, that, that documentation. Well, there's certain drivers, Bert, that literally bought directly from Hoosier Tire North. That ain't cool. That, that's, that ain't cool. Right? That's a bad deal. Now, this all gets all said and done, and they're talking about things with tires and the question comes out of, well, did Hoosier help out with soda one time? And they did. There was a lawsuit. With soda lost a bunch of money. The former owners, let me get this clear, former owners of Hoosier bailed out with soda to keep them out of bankruptcy. That is absolutely true. But that was the old owners. That ain't the current owners. That's the old owners, right? Now, keep in mind, we're locked into a price for two more years. Promoter A, you can do your research. I'm not going to call their names out on here. I should, but I'm not going to do that, right? You can you can private message. You can talk to any promoter that was there. They'd be more than happy to tell you which tracks did this, right? Because if, if you found out what tracks did this, you might not want to race there anymore. I'm just saying, so I'm not going to do that. Promoter A said, well, you know what? I think we should be a good business partner and an act of good faith. I make a motion that we increase the cost of tires by 9%. Immediately, another promoter says, I second that. And there was a bunch of, you know, we've been in there for two days. There was a whole bunch of promoters that literally, I'm, I'm hoping weren't paying attention, right? And they're like, 
all in favor, and like they voted it in. Now, they already asked, are you, you know, could, could we get more tires if we paid more? And the answer was no. Okay. So there's no incentive, right? So why? So why? So I was thinking about this while I was driving truck and I went up to, I went up to Boise Cascade up to the paper mill up in International Falls and I saw a bunch of trucks, trailers there from a couple, you know, multiple different companies, but a lot of them keep their trailers there. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be, I'm going to kind of diversify my skills here in the trucking industry. And I went into the office over at Boise and I said, Hey, who's, who's in charge of negotiating the rates and contracts with, with the, with the trucking companies? Well, you need to talk to so-and-so over here. So I went down the hall and I talked to that person. I said, you know what? You guys are a good customer. Um, you've been a good customer for a long time and we have a lot of, we haul a lot of your products. And I tell you what I want to do is I want you to go ahead and uh, we're going to just rewrite the contract. I want to reduce um, our, our shipping fees by 15 cents a mile for the next two years. Go ahead, write that up. How do you think Bert, that would go over with the owner of that trucking company? Do you think they'd be like, are you shitting me? Like, you're going to negotiate. Like, there's no reason to ask for, uh, for to do this. We're locked into a contract. Do you think there might be some fist flying or shots fired or something, right? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, have you ever heard of people that lock into propane, right? You lock in at price A and then at the end of the year, all of a sudden, boom, prices go way up, right? Do you, have you ever heard of anybody calling them up and saying, look, here's the deal. I know that prices are down here right now. That's what we're locked in at. But man, you know, people are paying this now. Can you go ahead and like throw another 50 cents a gallon on there? Can you do that? Well, it, it, it's like, um, I mean, you have a mortgage, you lock in an interest rate, you lock it in at, you know, 2.5%. You're not going to call the bank and say, hey, well, can, you can you raise my interest rate up to four and a half percent? I'm just saying, right? I'm just saying. So there, it makes no sense, right? Because if you're going to just offer, now let's talk numbers, right? There is 2,300 licensed with soda racers. So some of them are Hornets. Some of those drivers maybe race one night in somebody's car and they bought a license. So let's call that 2,000 licensed drivers, okay? You take 2,000 licensed drivers, and I called multiple vendors today while I was driving, and I asked them, I said, on average, how many tires would you say per driver? And I talked to some drivers that raced barely at all. And they're like, well, we bought 12, we bought 15, and they barely even raced, right? And I know there's people that bought 100 and 80 and all that. So the number I came up with, it's pretty fair to say that if you average it all out, 15 tires per person. Well, you take 2,000 drivers, 15 tires, Bert, that is 30,000 tires, right? And I, don't, I didn't get these numbers from Hoosier. This is just a guesstimate, right? You can do the math yourself. Could be a little less, could be a little more, okay? But the increase in tires, Bert, is a little over $10 per tire on the mod tires, and it's like $13 on the late model tires. You take 30,000, multiply that times 10, and they literally just gave Hoosier corporate 
a $300,000 bonus for each of the next two years. That's over a half a million dollars that these two knuckleheads decided to just give to Hoosier. Why? Why? There's no incentive. There is absolutely no reason for it. They didn't ask for it. They're not in danger of shutting down. We get all the tires we need. Why? Why would they do that? I don't understand. You know, it makes absolutely zero sense. And who has to pay for this? The racers. Like, the cost of everything's going up. The promoters, for those of you that voted for this, you're all idiots. Brain dead. Like, you are literally too stupid to run a racetrack or a business. It makes absolutely no sense to me, okay? So either you're absolutely brain dead or you can come to your own conclusion why. I'm just gonna, I'm just saying there's there's a reason. If if Bert, if I if I worked out a deal to literally give you six hundred thousand dollars in a two-year window, would you reward me for that? Would you be like, man, that was nice of you, Ryan? You give me a half a million dollars, I'm gonna go ahead and slide. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I hope that's not true. I pray that ain't true, right? Because I love this sport. Some of these people are my friends. I had other promoters reach out to me and said, just so you know, Gondek Law Speedway did not vote to increase the cost of tires, okay? There's other tracks too, but he reached out and says, I want to make sure this is very clear. We did not vote for this, right? He, he made a point because he's like, what the hell are these people doing? Why would you do that? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. They're supposed to be looking out for the racer. Everybody knows that the tires we have suck. I mean, they all do nowadays, it seems like, but they don't last long. You put a new right rear on every single night if you want to win. So you're, you have to buy tires. They're locked in at a rate. The drivers get a little bit of a win on, on one thing. The tires are already overpriced anyway. They're way overpriced in some series. But for them to just go ahead and increase the cost of tires for no apparent reason, I don't think I've ever seen anything so stupid in my entire life ever. Well, what's your thoughts on that, Bert? Well, I mean, I agree. I mean, if you if you were locked in at a price for two years, why why are you even bringing up raising the price? I mean, you should just be thanking your lucky stars that you're locked in for two years. And um, I mean, you you've been saying that Wasoda needs to uh, do a better job of going out and finding sponsors and stuff. Well, I think the first call they should be making is the Hoosier. Right. And even that would still be shitty, right? Because now you're you're charging. Well, the racers the racers are paying for it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you're spot on. If they're getting a big big bonus like that, they better put that back into racing, right? Put that back into a track point fund or whatever. But even then, it kind of sucks because all the people that don't race for points, they're like, well, we're paying more again to benefit just a few. That I don't believe that Hoosier should even be a, a cash sponsor. They should maybe put money back into the tracks or something like that because it's just a conflict of interest. Anytime that you're, you're getting sponsorship money from a company like Hoosier or a parts vendor, well, who's paying for that? right the the cost is going they're literally they're paying for that somehow so they're up in the price of everything in order to pay for that so the races are paying their own point fund that's kind of a stupid deal i mean that's i mean i would i would rather see them say here's the deal we are gonna like no longer have our contribution to the point fund and take that dollar amount and figure out how much that costs per tire 
and just reduce the cost of tires by that much, that'll help everybody. Not And, and the, the people that chase points, guess what? It would still benefit them more because they buy more tires, right? But why not do that? Just get rid, take Hoosier's contribution to the points fund, take it completely away and reduce the cost of tires by that much. That would be a better alternative, better for racing. That's a more healthy way of doing things. But I don't well, know, man. And know. well, what I don't understand is, I mean, yes. I mean, these two promoters, you know, one made the motion and one seconded it, but I don't understand how it gets to the next, how, how do other promoters agree with that? I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Here's why. Because half of them, and, and some of the promoters are there, they're engaged and whatever, but there's some of them that are sitting there going, we're at a meeting? What are they voting on? And they literally got a blank stare on their face, right? They're not engaged. They're playing on their phone. And literally, they're like, make a motion. And I'm not kidding you. I saw people, and I'm not going to say who, right? If you want to know, go find out, right? But there was people, Bert, and I, I witnessed this. I watched this that were... I'm telling you, they were playing on their phone and then they would look around the room to see what people voted. And if there was enough people, they're like, yeah, I'll vote for that too. The process sucks. You know, there's, there was with soda board members, Bert, that reached out to me and said, what the hell did they do? We're going to get crucified because when well, people hear about that, if they don't hear about it on the show, you know what they're going to say? Freaking Wasoda screwed us again. They're, they they raised the cost of tires. We're locked in. What the hell is Wasoda doing? This was not the Wasoda board. This was not the executive director. This was certain promoters voted this in. It's, it's and, and I think we talked about this on the on the show before. Is you know what kind of management structure is right for um, a promoting associate or for a promoting organization. And I, I mean, when we discussed it, this was my answer. And after this example, this is really my answer. You need, you need to gather input from the, from the promoters, but ultimately you need a small group of people to make the decisions that are best for the organization as a whole. Absolutely 100% Bert and, and 10 years ago, I disagreed. Today, I agree. And, and I will say this, that I'm very critical of Bill Engelstead. I mean, critical of him, right? He did a good job at this meeting. He really did. Um, you could tell that he actually, him and the tech committee combined, there's a number of people on that that are from the industry. There's kind of a well-rounded deal. Could there be more people? Maybe. Could there be different people? Maybe. But I felt like they did a thorough job on on presenting and, and they brought their own rules and that's how the process works a promoter a driver can talk to the people on this tech committee and say i want you to look into this i think this should be a new rule or this should be you know whatever it is and let them do their research you give them the input like you said and that would just be overall better for everything but right now the system is broken and i will say this i should say this there are some tracks that have promoters that have been, they've done it exactly right. Some of them do a very good job at doing their due diligence, being involved in the process. They're, they're not all bad. There's some that do a very good job. So for them, they're going, well, wait a sec. Why do we got to not have a say anymore? Because track B, C, and D don't do their job. I get it, right? 
but maybe some of those promoters should be on the tech committee then, right? Maybe they can be involved in a different way, but unfortunate for the racers. A lot of questions there, Bert. Uh, I, I talked to a lot of people and it's, it's interesting. I guess the, the question I have, and I'll leave it at this, is why? Why? Right? You're locked into a price. They vote to increase the cost of tires, putting a half a million dollars in the, in the pockets of Hoosier. Why? why? Why would they do that? I don't know the answer to why, but it's, it's interesting to say the least. So, by the way, Bert, uh, there, there actually was some dirt track racing this past week as well. Um, I didn't get to watch a lot of it. I didn't watch the features. Um, they had the Duel in the Desert out in Las Vegas. They had uh, the Peach State Classic, the, the finale to the Castro Flow Racing Night in America series down in Sonoya, Georgia. Um, I guess either one. Did you did you watch anything? What stuck out? What uh, um, I saw bits and pieces of the races in uh, Las Vegas. Um, I didn't see any of the features live because uh, um, I needed to work the next day and for some some of those days and those features were way too late uh, or early in the morning, whichever you want to say. Um, it's probably a case where they had too many divisions. I mean, they had a lot of cars in, in the IMCA division, which is a good thing. Uh, but, um, I mean, when the races are getting over in the middle of the night, I mean, it, but, well, the first night I was watching, you know, it's like, you wonder how they get their money to put on these races. Cause like you said, I think there are like seven people in the grandstand. Um, and that's really not an exaggeration by much. Um, so I'm assuming that they have all these divisions because they want to increase the money from the back gate. Um, that's just my guess. Um, yeah, drivers have to travel there. So when they travel, they bring, you know, bring crew and family with them. And yeah, you're right. They had a big back gate. A lot of those people brought in four or five people each in the back gate. So, you know, the fan count, the overall fan count, the grandstands looked awful. It did. Um, they there's a lot of people screaming it, but yeah, it's it's almost depressing, right? It's kind of like you go back to 2020, and and you're like, fanless racing sucks, right? Like, I mean, it's just it's just bad culture, and it's like a lot of these XR events. It, appears to be fanless racing and it's really not i mean it's i don't know and again there's people in the pits that kind of filled it in i'm sure they did fine financially but it was interesting i wonder and i didn't ask him i wonder if puka got up in the morning and watched the feature before he went to work <laughs> the time he gets up i'm not really sure but night number one uh bobby pierce had it won i mean he was looked to me like he had it under control right retire went down and and uh, a little bit of rubber there on the racetrack, and he abused it. And Shane Clanton got it done, and uh, then it locked down, Bert. And they ran the rest of the features after that, and there wasn't a single pass the rest of the night. It was just not good. Night number two, uh, speaking of Bobby Pierce, a little bit of drama in the heat race, I think it was, with uh, the Osho. I think it was the heat through a haymaker. That was slot. the heat race. Yeah, contact was made. Feelings were hurt, right? Neither one of them had a good night. Well, and, uh, what, was, what was weird about I mean, for those who didn't see it, I mean, Bobby Pierce did a slider, 
And uh, it, it was a close slider, and Owens, you know, ran into the back of them. And then Pierce went up high, and then they came down the front stretch, and then Pierce drilled <laughs> Owens in the back end and raised his rear tires off the ground. Right, right. It was, uh, I wonder, <laughs> I didn't hear anything. I wonder if there was maybe words said, things handled in the pits, but it was, it was Bobby Pierce doing Bobby Pierce things, right? He's, uh, he's the show. It just is what it is. You got the O show and D show and they put a show on. And quite honestly, that was probably the most entertaining thing of the night. So they should have got in free the next night because the racing sucked. It was terrible. Um, Jonathan Davenport kind of won easy, but day number two of the track was not good at all. And night number three, the smooth operator, uh, a little bit of a rebound. He got her done. Um, $80,000 payday for him. And uh, so a good win there for Pierce. And then down in Sonoya, um, I was kind of talking to my buddy, Dan, and he, he's sending me some different tidbits of what's going on. Cause I was down at the meetings and he's like, they knew they had rain, the hurricane, and they had all that stuff coming down there. And they literally, did you see Bert that they put tarps on the track? I, I, I didn't see that. I, I heard they put tarps on the track and I did see the pictures of the helicopter um, over the trying to drive the track. <laughs> so, so night number one, obviously it was heavy, right? And when it's heavy down in that neck of the woods, about time this cat gets his first win of the year, right? But the killer, Kyle Bronson, that's his kind of track. You, you put some moisture on that deal, a little character, elbows up. He finally got his win on the year. RTJ absolutely curb stomped him on night number two. Brandon Shepard won the Castro Flow Racing Night in America championship. But man, kind of a kudos, right, to the track because how many, I mean, we've seen a lot of them Castro races, Lucas races go, you know what, weather's coming in, we're out, we're just going to cancel. And they're like, bull, bull crap, we're going to get this in. And the, the length that they went through to actually get that event in, that's noteworthy. That was impressive. And most tracks around, right, regional tracks, local tracks, they wouldn't do that, right? Tarp the track, you know, get the helicopter out there to try to dry it off. Most tracks wouldn't do that. Kind of reminds me Granite City Motor Park. They had the Piston Cup this year. And James Trantina hollered over my, anybody that can run a piece of equipment, get down here right now. And they took all the clay off the track so they could race the next day. You know, there's only a handful of tracks that would do something like that. So the fact that they got it in, that, that's a pretty cool deal to be able to cap it off. Was the racing the best? It wasn't great, but at least they got the show in and and that's, that's, so that's the difference, right? That shows a very hungry promoter as compared to a promoter that's like, well, I kind of run a racetrack, but that, that's too much work. We, I mean, think about Rapids, and this was not on Grand Rapids, right? They had the, remember they had the XR Northern Storm roll through, right? And they had a, the track was a little wet at like noon, and they're like, oh, man, we better cancel. You know, and this was not Grand Rapids Speedway. They were pissed. But the Challenge Series and, and XR could combined, they said, well, we better cancel. I don't think Sonoya would have canceled. Bert. I, I'm just saying. I think, I think the rate, the show must go on, and it did. So, Bert, let's jump into the last lap brought to you by Zuli Race Engines. And I saw Frank down there. He was at the meetings, and he was at the banquet. Of course, he was at the banquet, Bert, because there was a pile of his drivers getting recognized. And if you want to get recognized, you better get a hold of Frank, get on that list because 
there's a lot of Zuli race engine drivers getting recognized on at the uh, national banquet. What does that mean? It's got good shit. <laughs> That's what that means. Get a hold of them. It's that time of year. Get on the list. And if you can't beat them, join them. Zuli's race engines. So, Bert, let's start with a little who's hot and who's not. Who's hot? Um, for who's hot, I'll, I'll stick with Superman this week. Uh, he won the second night in Vegas. He finished second the third night. And I think the first night, he was in the top five or near the top five. So, it was a solid weekend. I'm sure he wanted, I mean, that if he could have won the third night, that 80000 would have really helped him in his quest for $2 million. Uh, so he's running out of chances to uh, get there. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what he's at. He's got to be over one. Well, I mean, he got 20, and then it was 40, I think it was. I think is what he got for uh, night two for second. So he's going to have to run really good, I guess, down at Alltech to make that happen. He still has a shot, but like you said, it's getting narrower. I'm going to go with the smooth operator, Bobby Pierce. Back-to-back years, Bert, he won the Triple Crown Double Down, I think is what it's called, where you had to run X amount certain shows of that XR Super Series, and if you did, you were eligible that whatever spot you finished in, on night on the final night of the duel in the desert, your your paycheck got doubled. Last year he won; it was a hundred grand. They restructured the purse this year. He won; it was eighty grand. So when it comes to the duel in the desert, tough to bet against the thirty-two of Bobby Pierce. Bert, who's not? Uh, for who's not, I'm going to go with uh, Dylan Thornton because I thought he was going to win some races down there, and he didn't win. He wasn't even really near the near the front uh, for the mods in which I picked them for. So I'll go with him. <laughs> I'm gonna go a little off the cuff here. I'm gonna go with uh, bank, the the people that attended the Wasoda banquet that literally couldn't keep their trap shut. Okay, so I talked to Rod Lindquist, who he, he's pretty passionate about the banquet, like trying to make it better. He's already got ideas in place for next year. You know, and they added some stuff, video footage. There's some pretty cool things having Donnie shots there. But, Bert, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing, right? We ended up sitting towards the back. We had people at our table that were just idiots, right? And it, they were they were talking so loud and being so obnoxious that half the people in the back of the room literally could not hear what people were saying. Bert, I know what it's like to win a national championship and the time and effort. These people deserve their respect right if you go to the banquet and you can't like shut up and quit being a bumbling idiot go stand out in the hall and carry that conversation out there these drivers deserve it he's like rod's like well what do you think the banquet needed i said i think it needed a freaking uh like a tranquilizing gun or whatever a taser you know walk around the back when these people won't shut up you put a taser on a couple people and you tip them over everybody will shut up really fast we get back to the banquet or maybe something you can just start putting in people's drinks when they're like, won't shut up and they're belligerent and nobody can hear. And like, they can all just tip over and go to sleep. It was, it was awful. And I mean, there was people that were, I'm talking people in their forties, right. That literally acted like they were 20. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. So that would be my not hot is those banquet attendees that have absolutely zero respect for anybody. And all they think about is themselves. So, a little bit of news, Bert. Um, Chris Stepp in FYE Motorsports um, a couple of years ago 
got the contract to be the general manager down at the Vado, I think it's Vado, Vado Speedway down in New Mexico. And uh, not sure what happened. I know absolutely zero details, but I did see a press release out that he is no longer running the, the speedway down there in, I think it's Vado, New Mexico. And uh, so probably going to be headed back up to Wisconsin, I would assume. I'm not sure. But uh, big news down there. I don't know uh, what happened. I don't know the situation, but sounds like Royal Jones going a different direction as far as promoters go. So kind of noteworthy. Um, let's get to our three predictions, Bert. And I, I'll be honest, Bert, I stole this. You should probably watch the podcast I stole it from because it's called uh, Purple Daily. Your Packers did win, I guess, this week, yeah. which is well, which is I was I was actually at that game. <laughs> you, you were? Yeah. <laughs> I was ha- I was kind of happy to see that they won because I want to kind of knock the Cowboys down a little bit. But I stole this off there, and they do three predictions, and then then we own our results. Right is what we're gonna do, and uh, just a couple here. So I I'll be honest, I was I was way off on one. I was way wrong. I said Bill Engelstad, the Wasota technical director. I said he is uh, gonna say use guys at least 25 times. I think he said it like twice and he handled himself in a very professional manner. So you ain't going to get this often from me. Tip of the cap, Bill Engelstad job. Well done at the annual meetings this weekend. I did get one right though. I said, Sonoya will have more late models than they do in Vegas. And they had almost 10 more, even with the inclement weather down there, they had more late models. Now I get it kind of a, I mean, I shouldn't even get half a point for that because there is way more late models there than in the Vegas region. So I shouldn't even count, but I guess uh low lying fruit. I'll take that one. Bert, you had two that you were off on, right? The other ones haven't materialized yet. You said Jonathan Davenport was going to win Saturday in Vegas. You spelt Friday wrong. Yeah. Um, you were close, but no cigar. Right? One spot short. One spot short. And then you said Dylan Thornton was going to win two modified features. And that's why he's not hot. <laughs> I wish you picked that shitty in our pickums because you're whooping our ass, right? So I wish I wish you picked that shitty there. But yeah, he did not. So you were wrong on that one. Well, he so- was. I didn't do very good in the picks this this last week, I don't think. Yeah, you did. You did. You oh, didn't I... do as good as Mike and Brad, but you did better than me and Puka. You spread oh, the gap okay. again, which sucks, which sucks. So this week's three um, are three bold picks. Again, they must be, must be something that's kind of quantifiable, something where we can actually, not an opinion, we can say, yes, that did happen or that did not happen. Bert, what are your three this week? Um, I really didn't do much. I'm just going to go with my picks from this week. Uh, Overton's going to win uh, both of the races at Cherokee. Um, Madden's going to win. Cherokee? Or, or wait. Deep. No. The, so, Cherokee is going to be Madden's going to win that Cherokee. Overton's going to win the two races at the Southern Showcase. Okay, so you're not going to go with he's going to win at least one. You're you're both winning both of them. And then Ethan Dotson will win the Rudiman Memorial in Volusia. 
I wish uh, so you you kind of picked after I did this week, which kind of sucks. I ain't gonna catch you now. No, well, I had my picks done. I just didn't send them yet. I was um, waiting, waiting to kind of cherry pick, <laughs> top and it didn't work. I better figure I better get them in. Um, here's my three this week, Bert. The dome is coming up in a couple weeks. Saturday's the big eight games. At least three drivers from the Wasota region right, are going to be racing in A-Mains on the finale night at the uh, Gateway Dirt Nationals. Okay. In 2023, so we got to wait a little bit for this one to come into fruition, but kind of segue off of what we talked about earlier. A Wasota late model driver from the state of Wisconsin will finish on the podium in the national standings for Wasota Auto Racer in the late model division. The next one I have, silly season is here. Hudson O'Neill is going to be the first driver to win a feature with his new team. Bishop does not count because he went back to the family-owned team. He already won one. That don't count. But Hudson O'Neill will be the first national late model driver to win a feature with his new team. Jeff said that driver is going to be Tanner English, who had a pair of top fives out there in Vegas. So that's what Jeff said, Tanner English. So standings this week, Bert, I, the numbers, we got them right here in front of us. If you're watching the show, Bert, you're pulling away. Uh, I tell you what, it's just about ready to wave the white flag. But I'm closing in on that flat build, dude. Like, I got to catch him. And Mike, who started, like, way late, way late, right, he has a shot to maybe catch Jeff. So that would be cool. I would, Jeff don't think that would be cool. I think that would be cool. Um, and this weekend, like you talked about, we're going to pick the the Rudiman Memorial um, for UMP Modifies down in Volusia. Um, we're going to pick the Blue Gray 100 in Gaffney, South Carolina at the Cherokee Speedway, late model action. And we're going to pick both nights of the late models at the Southern Showcase at the Deep South Speedway in Loxley, Alabama. So a little bit of racing still to be had here this weekend and then Thanksgiving week coming up. Um, in other news, Bert, um, Lucas Oil and World of Outlaws released the bulk of their schedule here last week. And there's some massive changes. There's some big, big changes. We're going to get more into this in the weeks to come, right? But out of everything you saw there, what would you say the one thing that stood out like, that's big, that's big? What stood out to you? Well, probably, well, one of the biggest things was uh, their track world championship is on uh, Eldora Speedway in mid to late October. <clears throat> yeah, that's a big one right there. I mean, we talked about nothing against Portsmouth, but the racing ain't been all that good. Oh, yeah. So. It, it, it needed the move away from Portsmouth. But, <clears throat> but I was reading an article and they were making making a case that you know now eldora has like you know three of the crown jewels now and you know is that good for the sport or not good for the sport so you know that's 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 something that you can debate <laughs> that's a good point and we'll talk more about that when we talk about the schedules on a upcoming show here 
one thing that stuck out to me is we knew the I-80 Speedway was coming to an end, right? Maybe, maybe it'll reopen at some point. But the silver, I think it's the Silver Dollar Nationals is moving to Houston's. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. A little bull ring right there with some late model. So, well, and then another thing that stuck out to me, well, two things actually. Um, the only World of Outlaw races in Wisconsin will be Cedar Lake and Mississippi Thunder. Uh, Red Cedar Speedway is not on their schedule this year. And then, um, you know, the World of Outlaws, they've, they've looked for years on finding a race between Fairbury and the USA Nationals. And now it looks like this year they're going to Boone uh, between Fairbury and the USA Nationals. Yeah, that, that does, that looks interesting too. So we're going to, we're going to take down the schedules here in the show to come, but uh, in, in a show to come might not be next week, but maybe we'll see, we'll see what comes up for news, but uh, lots of big changes. It'll be interesting. Um, this weekend coming up, there's a few races online. You know, what are your plans here this upcoming week? Any any racing? You know, watch some racing. What are you looking forward to? Um, just on sports. What do you got going on? What's Bird got going on this week? Um, I don't have anything necessarily planned. Um, I'll I'll probably try to catch some racing. Um, I'm actually well tomorrow night I'll be watching the Packers. You know, third, we're, it's Wednesday night when we're recording this, so Thursday night I'll be watching the Packers. I'm actually kind of looking forward to watching the Vikings play the Cowboys. Um, and I did see a news story, and I don't know how accurate this is, but I want to watch it if it's accurate. Uh, Buffalo, the forecast for Buffalo on Sunday. Is 30 to 70 inches of snow and 30 mile an hour winds. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's what I saw. <laughs> they get that lake effect up there. That could be interesting. I definitely <laughs> broke stuff of that direction here the last couple of days, but it'll be interesting. So I'll be catching a couple of these races. I'll be watching that deal down in Palooza. I think that's going to be on uh, Dirt Vision. So I'll, I'll be I'll be checking that out. And then it'll be interesting to see what happens at a couple of them other races. Cherokee, um, quite honestly, the tra the racing at Cherokee the last time we watched was significantly better than it had been the last couple of years. They they gave it a facelift with some new surface down there. So uh, that might be some pretty good racing down in South Carolina. So, Bert, 154 in the books. And uh, like, 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 share, share, share. Um, get get the word out. Hopefully, uh, you all enjoyed the show. Want to thank all of our great sponsors and uh, Bert. One fifty four in the books. Fifty five. One fifty five coming up next this, next week. Um, always a pleasure talking racing with you, fans. We're signing out. That's Bert Lehman. I'm Ryan Aho. Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show. Production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.